I wanna try something new out on you today. Think about this. There's always someone more-er than us. What, what, you're not following me? You need me to connect some dots? There's always someone more-er than us, E-R. There's always someone richer than us. This may come as a shock to some of us, but there's always someone smarter than us. Uh, now this one's easier for me. There's always someone prettier than me. There's always someone more-er than us. Today I wanna to talk to you about how to avoid the comparison trap. And this is uh, really about envy and this long list of emotions that, that, can, that can control our lives if we let them. We live in a world filled with people who are letting their negative emotions control them. I don't think I have to do much persuasive work here. And one of the sneakiest emotions that will control you and me if we let it is envy. I mean, I first noticed this a lot when blogs started coming out and oh my goodness, I started blogging and quit blogging so many times in the early 2010s around that area because I had a great idea for a blog. I was a middle school pastor. Who, who's better to, qualified to write about the middle school pastor experience than someone who's in the trenches of youth ministry? And you guys, I put some great stuff out there, some creative ideas, some nuggets of pastoral wisdom from my 26-year-old self. The only problem was no one read it. <laughs> I mean, pages and pages of this stuff, or, or nu just nugget after nugget, no one read it. So I'd quit, and then I would read someone else's blog. Uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, Youth Specialties Marco, YS Marco. I read that guy's blog and, and then I would start blogging again and no one would read it and I would stop blogging again because uh, I'd, get, I'd read a post that he wrote and it would be brilliant. And I'd think, I'm, he's, he's older than I am. So uh, no one's gonna listen to me. He's more experienced than I am. He's, he's famouser to stick with that theme than I am. No one reads my blog, and I was filled with envy over someone who was doing really good work. This word is the ugliest word, I think, in our English language, envy. It's, a, it's an emotion that leads to a place where it's possible to hear about someone who fails at life, and that envy emotion will well up inside of us, and we can think, yes! They fell. See, they weren't as good as everyone thought they were, whether it's a politician or a famous person. I don't like that about myself, and it's something that I try to fight against and watch closely. Because now in our world, we read about people having failures all the time. But imagine if that emotion became the boss of you. Nothing good can happen from that. Now, I want to spend some time reading some wisdom that King Solomon gave us. And in Proverbs, 40, uh, Proverbs 14, verse 30, he says, envy rots the bones. Talk about a vivid word picture. Envy rots the bones. Envy leaves us competing with people that don't even know there's a competition. Youth Specialties Marco still has no clue that I exist. But I was competing against that guy. 
And what if, let's say on some crazy, crazy circumstances, I became more popular than that guy in 2011. What would happen? Well, my envy would have led to being arrogant. Oh, see, I took down the, I took down the most popular middle school ministry blogger in the world. <laughs> Slow clap, right? Envy only leads to bad places. You, you become arrogant when your envy leads to success. And more often, when envy leads us to failure or envy just keeps us in the same cycle and getting the same results, we can become depressed because we fall short. Guys, there's no upside to this. King Solomon got it right. Envy rots the bones. It rots the bones and it ruins relationships. Envy turns us into bad brothers bad sisters, the Thanksgiving dinners, the family cookouts. Envy makes us bad children. Envy makes us bad employees and go on and on and on. So, okay, can we all just agree? Let's just knock it off. Stop it. Stop, stop envying everyone else. No, if only it were that easy. This doesn't just go away with the flip of a switch. But I have good news for you. If this is something that pops up in your life in a consistent pattern, envy doesn't have to rule you. There's this tension that when it pops up, we can feel it, we can acknowledge it, but it doesn't have to be our boss. And think about this for a second, that that King Solomon gives us a way forward. There is a place to go to mentally and emotionally. When we notice envy rear its ugly head, we're not powerless against this emotion. When you start to feel it, there's something you can do about it. When you're tempted to give in to this thought pattern of envy, you are not helpless against wherever that emotion wants to take you. And Solomon gives us some great handles to go to when we are feeling this tension in our lives. And all of these emotions, envy, greed, anger, all of these things are are, are vying for control of of our lives. But please take this imagery and use it when you're tempted. When you feel envy come up, you can say, oh, I caught you. You're not the boss of me. No, someone else is the boss of me. So here we go. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4, Solomon says this, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. Now think about this. This is a, a king thousands of years ago writing. A king who had been there and done that. At the time, arguably one of the most successful people on the planet. And for the most part, he says, what I see is everyone else is competing with everyone else. This is 3,000 years ago, before Instagram, before TikTok, before any any kind of modern thing that that makes envy well up in us. 3,000 years ago, there was a wise person that says, All this toil, so much of it, comes from people comparing themselves to other people. And this this situation that King Solomon was in, he was saying that that envy is, is determined by everyone else basing where they're at in life 
based on where everybody else is. And King Solomon here is saying, this is, this is bonkers. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely fruitless. Let me read the rest of verse four to you. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Have you ever tried to chase after the wind? Talk about an exercise in futility. You chase it forever. There's no finish line. There's no peace when you finally get this ungettable thing. There's no satisfaction of getting to the end of a journey of chasing after the wind. This is, this is the, what happens when you, when you let envy be the boss of you. What it does is it stokes an unquenchable appetite. And there's no peace because there's always an err. There's always something newer, always something nicer, always something bigger and faster. And when you're in this spot, you can't even enjoy your own accomplishments. If there was like a, a promo for this kind of life, it would say dissatisfaction guaranteed. <laughs> Living this life, it's going to steal your joy. Living this life is going to give you dissatisfaction because someone else always has more. Someone else is always doing better. So let's take a moment, take a deep breath. Let's take a step back and let's talk to envy for a second. Say, I don't want to chase the wind. Put it in the comments if you have to. Maybe you're in a coffee shop and it might be weird if you just blurt it out loud. I don't want to chase the wind. Whatever you've got to do, maybe just write it down. Say, I don't want to chase the wind. Like I mentioned before, Solomon was a very accomplished king. Built wonders of the world back then. He was known as a builder. He wasn't saying don't chase the wind as some sort of weird excuse to bait you and I thousands of years later into being lazy. In fact, in the next verse, verse 5, he says, Fools fold their hand and ruin themselves. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Only fools just sit back and say, well, it's useless, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm not even going to try. Solomon isn't saying he, one or the other. You know, he's not saying keep, keep on that, that endless cycle of striving and hustling and comparing yourself to everybody else. And he's not saying, if I can't win, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. He's not advocating us living a passive life. He wants to bring these ideas together. Get off the treadmill of envy, but don't you dare give up. Here's an awesome word that Solomon uses, the word better. In verse 6, he says, Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better to have one handful of what you were designed for and created for. Period. <laughs> That's better than having two handfuls of something that you weren't designed to carry. Why do we let ourselves be bossed around by trying to have two handfuls of something that, there, that would break us if we actually got it? You know, in verse 6, he uses the word tranquility and we don't use that word a lot in our modern culture unless we, we think of some kind of Zen thing and, and achieving tranquility. What, what King Solomon is talking about 
is satisfaction. It's better to have one handful of satisfaction than two handfuls of a useless, meaningless existence. Having one handful of tranquility. When I think of that, I think of going home at the end of the day and saying, I did my best today. What Solomon is talking about is uh, one handful of tranquility looks like laying down at night, being able to take a deep breath and saying, I have peace. And closing your eyes and your mind isn't turning over and over and over about someone else who has more er or who is more er than you. Because chasing, it always leaves us wanting more. Another way to say it is, less is more when it leads to contentment. Because the result is peace. So it's better to have one hand than striving for something that you'll never get. So, can we right now just agree to keep our radars up for this? Can we right now agree that, that anything that stirs up in uh, like some sort of discontentment in us, let's remove it out of our lives. Whatever uh, is making you feel less than, let's, let's get rid of that. Let's lay it down for a while. Maybe, maybe it's laying down Instagram because scrolling and scrolling and scrolling leads to I'm not on this vacation or I didn't get this new car or I didn't get a new job like my friends. Instagram, I'm not going to get on a soapbox about how bad social media is, but for you, if, if social media stirs up envy in you, just lay it down for, for a while. Whatever it is, like, let's just agree that we're not going to feed that fire anymore because it feeds bad things in you. And if you keep feeding envy, it will become the boss of you if you let it. So back to our text. King Solomon is going to take us in a different direction now. In verse 7, he says, Again I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man alone. He had neither son nor brother. So uh, again, this is an ancient text we're working with, and we don't, we don't usually say the word under the sun. And what that means is just in this world. There was nothing in this world that he saw. And, and having neither son nor brother was a cue to the, to the ancient reader. Uh, contextually, it means that he had no one to leave his inheritance to. In that culture, you had to have either a son or a brother for someone else to get your stuff. So that's the setting, and in verse 8 he says, There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. To bring it into our, our language, this dude was hustling. He was working it. He was gathering. He was, he was acquiring. He was going for it. And then this man asks an important question in verse 8. For whom am I toiling? What a great question for all of us to ask. Maybe our hustling and acquiring and striving isn't, isn't resulting in more possessions, greater wealth, or greater popularity. But let's together take a moment and ask, what's really driving me? What's really, what am I really after? Stirring up these feelings in my mind and in my heart. What am I really trying to prove? And who am I trying to prove it to? 
Why do we stress ourselves out? These are important questions to ask. Who are we doing all of this for? And for some of us, when we ask those questions, there's a name. For some of us, when we ask these questions, there's a face. Maybe it's your father. Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's someone who's, who's not even on this earth anymore and they're deceased. But it's an important question because we may be striving internally for the approval of someone who's long gone. We may be hustling for the approval of someone that's not with us anymore and that is futile. And we've given up our one handful of tranquility, striving for something that could never fill both our hands. So again, in that verse, Solomon says, For whom am I toiling? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. What a great phrase, a miserable business. Do you ever ask yourself that? For who am I doing all this for? I don't even enjoy what I have. That's what I feel like Solomon is saying here. I don't even enjoy this. What am I doing all this for? And when your life is filled with looking over your shoulder to keep up with the Joneses, to keep up with that, that other, whoever it is in your life, it will make you miserable. And you can busy yourself by checking all the boxes and you can still be miserable when you're trying to get two hands full of something that you can never attain. So if you're here checking this out and you're not a Jesus follower, I would say it this way. You'll never be who you're supposed to be if you're always looking over your shoulder to see what other people have. For those of you who are Christians, this is huge. This is incredibly significant for you. And for those of you Jesus followers, I would say it this way. You'll never experience God's purpose in your life while you're distracted by God's purposes for someone else. It's liberating to stop looking at what everybody else is doing and what everybody else has. And what Solomon is advocating for here is, it's actually, there's this place you can get to where you can work harder with more peace when you measure your success differently. And here's the whole, the, the beginning phrase that Solomon gave us in Proverbs 14.30. I only gave you the last part. The whole verse says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. This is Solomon saying, be happy with that one handful. You can't compete or compare your way to peace. You can't win by chasing after the wind. Again, those of you who consider yourselves Christians, God's given you a lane to run in. You've already got a boss. Envy's a really bad boss. God's given you this life, this, your abilities, your experience, whatever age you're at at this moment, that's, what's God, that's what God has given you. And God wants you to thrive there. Be who you are with what you have. And from that point, you can change somebody's world. But the moment you get out of your lane and the moment you're overly concerned about other people, you're not, you're not useful to yourself and you're not useless. 
You're not useful to others. When you get out of your lane, you buy into the lie that says, the lower you go, the higher I get. No, we all know that's, that's middle school stuff. But as we can forget that as we go on and as we let envy be our boss, we buy into that kind of thinking. You can do more for other people from your lane than you ever could with someone else's title, with someone else's position, or with someone else's gifts. God wants to use you. To me, this is really good news because I'm not overly confident in the handful I have. But when I think, God can use that? That matters? That gets me excited. No matter your situation, no matter what you can or can't do, God wants to use you so God can get the glory for it. So you may be asking yourself, well, when do I look to other people? Well, this is really practical. Absolutely look to other people for inspiration. Someone who's, who's gone through something or someone you admire in your field or, or has a, an amazing story. We definitely look to other people for inspiration, but we don't look to other people for imitation. When you look to other people to imitate them and try to be them, that's where you, you go along the path of being a person who's eaten up by envy. When you hear people's stories of success, that's not, that's not a road for me as a pastor. I don't want you on that road. That's bad for you. So I, I heard this a while ago. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who somebody else is today. If you want to know that you're growing, look around and see what challenges you're facing, what problems you have today, and then take a look back at yourself two years ago and think, if, if you look back two years ago and think, okay, that, those things were hard, but you know, I, I'm on to new challenges and, and now I'm overwhelmed by today, that's probably a sign that you're growing. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today. I'm gonna to go really old school here too. Count your blessings, not your neighbors. Or we could say it with a better emphasis, count your blessings, not your neighbor's blessings. So every day I, have, I journal, but I don't journal and just pour everything out. I need some prompts, some bullet points about what I did yesterday, biggest win, uh, from the past day, one lesson I learned um, the day before. And then every day, point number three is what am I thankful for? And I try to write something different every day because I'm married to, uh, to Marie. So I mean, that, that could always be. So it's just a given. I'm always thankful for Marie. But as I, as I try to exercise the creative part of my brain, what's something new I can be thankful for? I'm not overstating this. It changes my heart every single day, especially when I wake up and I don't feel the joie de vivre. I don't feel, I don't wake up like I'm in a musical ready to change the world. That simple act of being thankful for the blessings I have or taking a moment to realize there's this blessing right under my nose that I'm not even thinking about and writing it down. It's a transforming process. So today, before you go to a next web browser, before you get to the end of this video, when you're tempted to compare yourself, I want you to stop and declare this. 
And this may feel cheesy to you, but I want to push you and poke you a little bit. When you're tempted to compare yourself to other people, I want you to declare this. Envy, you are not the boss of me. I will not chase the wind. Maybe you can write it down on a three by five card. Envy is not the boss of me. I will not chase the wind. Put that in your pocket and carry it around. Read it. Make that your prayer. Maybe for you, an exercise is to place yourself in an environment where there's other people that are er than you, more successful or <laughs> richer or newer or whatever. Maybe for you, it's saying, you know what? Whenever I hear someone is more er than me, as an act of defiance, you just say, I'm going to cheer them on until envy shuts its mouth. I'm going to be everyone else's biggest cheerleaders. And again, my Christian friends, you already have your instructions from Jesus, who says, don't compare yourself to one another. He says, love one another. You can't do both at the same time, envy and love people. So for Christians, this ups the game for us. You can't do both at the same time. Envy always gets in the way of love. And this isn't like a nice little to-do list of a, of a sermon. This is central to following Jesus, is to ruthlessly eliminate envy out of our hearts and seek God's peace and the tranquility that comes from being connected to Jesus and finding peace there. Jesus said, by this, they will know you love me, by the way you love others. So, one, one last question for you. Is it possible that in some area of your life, envy has become the boss of you? Is it one relationship where envy has become the boss of you? Is it with a family member, a brother, a sister, an in-law that just envy crawls up your heart and wants to just take over? Is it the person in your life who just seems to do everything so effortless, effortlessly? Which relationship? Is the relationship at your school or on your team or hopefully not, but is that relationship in your home? You guys, chasing the wind is meaningless. And if you do what's meaningless for too long, your life becomes meaningless. The way you find meaning is, is seeking after God's contentment. By seeking after Jesus, that's the means to the end. Contentment and peace and a road away from envy is only found through following Jesus. If you're here, I know, you don't want a life of meaninglessness. Something in you has guided you to this moment. Something in you has guided you to wanting a life of meaning. We all know the world doesn't need any more meaningless, any more, any more meaninglessness around. So let's follow Jesus together because unlike envy, he'll make you better at life. Unlike envy, Jesus will make you better at life. And envy is a really bad boss. So let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we point our hearts towards you and ask you for the awareness, 
and the strength to speak to envy and say, you're not the boss of me. And God, as you're revealing things in our hearts right now, God, as we exchange striving, would you please, even right now, to everyone who can hear my voice, start giving them something better. Give us something better. Give us your peace. Show us how to be content. Even right now in this moment, will you please bring images of people that we're thankful for, memories of times where you have shown up in our life as only you can do. So God, we dedicate ourselves once again to following you and not envy. In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, you are loved a lot. Thank you for spending some time with us this week. And uh, as a reminder, you can always reach out to us at sgbic.com. And together, let's, let's make sure that envy doesn't boss us around this week. And if you need a little help or a little encouragement along the way, please take us up on the offer and reach out to us. And until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.